Yeah, of course. Emma's mates are coming, and I know one who would be perfect for you. She's not fussy. Really? First day, start at the top and stay there. Stay away from the girls! I want to be a writer, but my family is stuck in another century. Writing isn't a job. I need you to do more. Make a wish, better. Kiss a girl and get out of this dump. Bruce is the direct line to all this true in this shitty world. Seriously, what does he know about our world? My name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames cast. And this is going to be another short episode. I've decided really that I'm just going to try and just record whenever I can and put those episodes out regardless of length. I, I, I For some reason I've, I've imposed a few rules on myself, like they had to be of a certain length included a certain amount of views and I'm starting to kind of like throw that off and just kind of get onto a more regular schedule of putting shows out. So I'm only going to be talking about one film again and it's not going to be a pretty in, uh, review this primarily because I hated the film in question and I have to really give some kind of background as to why I even went to go and watch it in the first place. Um, it was actually showing at home in Manchester which if you don't know is kind of like the uh, the art house place in to go in Manchester to watch films. It's the only cinema in Manchester where you can watch anything that might be in a foreign language. Um, for the most part, it's got the kind of the usual suspects of View and Odeon uh, who tend to kind of dominate the multiplex situation. And Home is kind of like our arty, creative place. It's a theatre as well. So I, I, I've always kind of been kind of slightly mixed on it. It's um, kind of walks that line between, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's more a restaurant than it is a cinema, but regardless of that, a short film I made was picked up by uh, the creative director there who happened to kind of come across it and um, it was going to be playing as part of a season of films um, about music and our short film was about a, a guy who collected records and through doing that it was his way of interacting with his local community and very kindly uh, they decided to put the film on and they chose to have it play before uh, Gurinder Chadha's uh, Blinded by the Light. So we were offered some free tickets to go down and see our film uh, projected, which, just on a, a, a side note, um, it was legitimately thrilling to kind of see my work put on a big screen in a big wide format. Um, and I, I'm going to blow my own trumpet, it did look very good. Um, I, I was re really pleased with the experience of seeing it. Having just seen it on my phone or on my computer screen, it was, um, yeah, it's certainly very pleasing to see it up there. And blinded by the light, uh, I, I thought to myself, well, it's a film that's going to feature a lot of Bruce Springsteen music. And I love Bruce Springsteen. Like, I, I, I actually love him. His music has been a tremendously important part of my line and I would be lying that if I 
if I said that I kind of sat around listening to Bored to Run, dreaming of escaping my middle class existence of the relative comfort in our beautiful part of Kent. But I did find his lyrics to be immensely positive influence in my life. There is a song, I think, for every um, experience and emotion you can feel, the good times, the not so good times, and the excitement of what just might be over the horizon. And in my experience, you tend to meet two kinds of people, really. There's ones who don't give a toss about him and people who, like myself, who really actually genuinely just adore everything he does. And I'm not really sure I trust anyone who says they don't like Bruce Springsteen. And I will happily bore anyone to death about what his greatest album is, which is Darkness on the Edge of Town. And Hungry Sahar is his best song. And The River is the most overrated album and so on and so on. I've seen him many times live and they seem to be a collective exercise in euphoria and there is always one person i find at his concert who is having a better time than you and that tends to be bruce himself he is an icon a megastar but he also seems to have an everyday likability that has made millions of people's lives better and he somehow manages to bypass all my misanthropic scorny instincts so a film about a young Asian man in Luton living in Thatcher's Britain who discovers Bruce and through the transformative nature of music finds the inspiration to fight back against the racist and pursue the career he loves. What could possibly go wrong? Well, the short answer is absolutely everything. Now, Gurinder Chadra is on paper a director whose films I think should interest me. A woman of Indian descent, born in Kenya, she has lived experience that I sincerely believe would translate into engaging and culturally relevant films. I honestly thought this was going to be the case with a thoroughly likeable and enjoyable 2002 film, Bend It Like Beckham. This, however, was a high point. In the intervening years, we've had Bride and Prejudice, Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging, It's a Wonderful Afterlife and The Viceroy's House. A film that I survived for about 10 minutes before its hallmark channel aesthetic, along with its awful depiction of historical events, led me reaching for the off button as fast as my hand could move. So after a fairly disastrous stab at historical drama, Chadwick returned with Blinded by the Light, based on the memoirs of Safraz Manzur, a Bruce Springsteen-obsessed teenager living in 1980s Britain. Here is named Javed, a wannabe writer whose father has moved from Pakistan to England to forge a better life for the family. Only this is 1980s Thatcher's Britain. Racists patrol the streets and Javed's father wants him to be more Pakistani and, and study economics. Only Javed has discovered Bruce, courtesy of mate Roops. It's a town full of louvers. He was born to run and he, and he has a hungry heart for love interest, Eliza, who of course has conservative parents who think that all she is doing is dating him to shock them. Then there is best mate Matt who thinks Javid needs to find love so he can write more touching lyrics for his new romantic band before they fall out over something or other that I can't really remember what it was. All this takes place over a painful two hour running time. Blinded by the Light displays nothing that could in any way, shape or form pass as any form of cinematic quality. There is simply nothing in the shots, their composition, the blocking, the camera movement, the lighting, anything that you have not seen in a television commercial or a by-the-numbers TV production. Despite being filmed in a wide frame, Blinded by the Light never expands its canvas through anything other than mid-shots. The frame's width is never utilised to any effect, and with almost all the entire action taking place bang on the centre of the frame. 
The film is further hampered by the frankly terrible acting of lead actor Vivek Kala. He has two modes, dancing around singing, which he manages to do with a believable enthusiasm, or a doe-eyed puppy dog look coupled with a bizarre sad voice that sounds as if like another actor's had dubbed his lines. And you can hear those lines straight from the page. Indeed, it doesn't feel as if they've been written by a human, but more a programme that has been fed every cliché known to British films of the past 20 years and spat out a script straight into the actors' heads with directions such as speak slower and look a bit mournful. The cumulative effect is that Blinded by Light becomes a hollow exercise in superficial audience engagement. It tells you exactly when people feel sad and exactly when they feel happy and relies on disarming charm fact to try and placate any yearning you have for a more meaningful experience. It all felt completely flat with me and very soon the film began to annoy me. In one scene, Javid and Roops are in a coffee shop when some National Front thugs turn up and demand they move. They accidentally leave a video cassette on the table and it becomes involved in an altercation with the thugs when they try to get it back. Now, how is this conflict resolved? Well, they both begin to sing the lyrics of Badlands at the baffled group. They stare joyfully at each other, finding strength and solidarity in the lyrics before literally dancing out of the coffee shop and into the shopping centre as the staff and passers-by look at them with a kind of, oh, aren't they mad and adorable look on their faces. It's supposed to be affirming. It's supposed to be uplifting. It's supposed to make you want to cheer them. Instead, I found it to be utterly cringeworthy. If the film had functioned as a traditional musical, then perhaps the scene would have worked. We would naturally be able to suspend our disbelief and incline to go with it. But it's not. We are supposed to actually believe that through the power of shared experience and love of music, these two could break into song and skip away, really showing the racist what for. In reality, though, the entire scene is a complete contrivance invented solely to virtue signal the film's politics. And of course, it's good to show up racist, but in the context of this, the scene f serves no purpose whatsoever. It has no relevance or bearing on the plot and is purely there to force you into smiling mechanically at them singing Badlands. And it's not alone. Clearly a fan of the Shawshank Redemption, Chadra rehashes the scene when Andy plays music over the prison's PA system. As Yavad and, and Roops break into the school radio station and play Born to Run, White suddenly provokes such an intense reaction from the, re from the radio station DJ. It's simply baffling. He just seems to be angry because that's what the script is telling him to do. And of course, this being Bruce's arguably greatest hit, it suddenly provokes the pair to run through the school jumping for joy. Of course, it's a Bollywood hybrid scene, and I do get what they were going for. It's supposed to be daft and rather silly. But even as a Bollywood moment, it displays none of the technical competency that makes these films sometimes so visually impressive, and has, certainly has none of the scale that such films are able to display. Instead, Blinded by Lights, it simply wants you to enjoy the moment because it's born to run, and because people are happy in it. But I found it impossible to disconnect from the idea that this moment was just another lazily constructed instance of a creatively bankrupt endeavour. I felt like the film was like a needy dog wanting to be liked every five minutes, only rather than a biscuit I was being force-fed cringeworthy, poorly executed YouTube videos made by the winner of an online poll in which only woke Guardian readers were allowed to partake in. Which in turn leads me to the film's politics. At its most affecting, Blinded by Light has some moments of real, genuine emotional lucidity. 
In one wrenching sequence, a family clears urine from the front door after a group of children have urinated through the letterbox, hurling racist abuse at them. What's worse is how they casually admit that they have plastic liner on the floor and that clearly this is not a one-off and this was to prevent this from happening in staining the carpet. It's matter-of-factness made this quite their quite dignity in dealing with this abuse all the more affecting. Yet blinded by the light seems to blame these types of incidents not on individual groups but instead wants us to believe that is the very establishment that is in fact the ringleaders of all this. After a clash in the street with National Front thugs, the camera reveals the real cause of the trouble. A huge billboard of Margaret Thatcher giving a decidedly Hitlerish salute, with Thatcher in this case being a cipher through which the film can lay blame for this social disruption. I thought this was a crass and oversimplistic attempt at political posturing. It also seems to suggest that mainstream conservatism is in fact a bedfellow of fascism. And the film makes the point over and over Anyone who is conservative is wrong and stupid. There's a terrible dinner scene with Javid at Ellie's house where her mum and dad treat him like some kind of creature that's suddenly come in. And Ellie goes to great lengths to talk about her parents' conservative politics. She is, of course, is a woke liberal socialist in the film. And it's all, I think, to make a parallel with what they believe today's political climate to be like. Blinded by the light is, I believe, an example of a kind of post-Brexit cinema whereby woke liberal artists want us to believe that we are ascending into some form of racist dark age a la the 1980s. I think it's a ridiculously misanthropic point to make. Brexit was not a racially motivated vote and any attempt by supposedly fascist populists like Tommy Robinson to enter mainstream politics have ended in those individuals being completely humiliated as in the European elections. It would indicate that the populace does not fall for this type of racist rhetoric, yet blinded by the light seems to feel it is providing us, the viewer, with a warning or indeed a timely reminder that we are only a few steps away from this form of social regression. I also think it's worth noting that the bigotry displayed by Javid's father Malik is always played for laughs with his insistence for example that, that Springsteen is a Jew a joke that is repeated over and over again and although lip service is played to cultural tension within the Pakistani communities such as arranged marriages patriarchal hierarchies this is easily brushed aside and forgotten about the second Javid makes an empowering speech with its bland aesthetic coupled with its crass moralising the film ultimate shallowness became ever more apparent as Springsteen hit after hit blared across the soundtrack with its bland aesthetic and coupled with its crass moralisation the film's ultimate shallowness became ever more apparent as Bruce Springsteen's song after song blared across the soundtrack I think we have entered the dawn of a new age of jukebox musical in which artists' greatest hits play over flimsy and barely there narratives. I get it, you sit down, tap your foot along to a band you like and watch a non-offensive jaunt for two hours. Yet these films seem to say little about the artist that is either already known or can easily be gleaned from the songs themselves. Bruce Springsteen's lyrics inspire people and this can have a transformative effect on the listener and Chadra literally paints them over the screen for you to emphasize this point and yes i get it i understand it a blinded by light is about feeling good it's about hope and it's about leaving the cinema with a warm fuzzy feeling only i sat through the film and watched what happened at the end of it and come the end credits there was a stony silence in the cinema i was in 
People looked at each other with bemused faces. There was no chatter, no sense that anyone had actually enjoyed what they had seen. Moreover, people shuffled out, and this was the exact sight on the previous screening when I was waiting to go into the cinema. People didn't seem to be in any way impressed by what they had just seen. In fact, I saw two girls leaving, looking at each other with embarrassed faces and having a kind of silent conversation that basically said, what the fuck have we just sat through? And yet the reaction amongst critics has been universally positive. And all the reviews that I have read seem to exhibit a kind of groupthink that excused anything other than actually praising the film's lack of depth as a kind of tonic for these troubled times. And it's a pity because somewhere in the film, I did actually think there was an actual story that would be worth telling. There were some wonderfully, clearly personal touches, such as discos during the day and the preparation for big Asian weddings. And I just felt if the film had gone down a slightly more serious route, it could have been something actually quite special. Instead, what we get is an anesthetically anaemic troll through conventional banality. I hated Blinded by the Light, and I almost feel guilty for doing so. And indeed, I feel I'm being contrarian for doing so. It's directed by a woman, an Asian woman at that as well. And that's a good voice to have within the sphere of British cinema. However, when films are like this, I just switch off completely. I actually went home, and the first thing I did was go upstairs and watch Conan the Barbarian. I don't know, I just needed a hit of pure cinema that this just simply wasn't able to give me. I have a feeling though from, and I've just been reading the last episode, the last edition of Sight and Sound, that this could be the direction that we're going in with British films. And I really want to see more diverse voices coming through from different backgrounds. But if this is anything to go by, then I think we could be in big trouble. Okay, and that's going to be that for this episode of the 24 Framescast. You can follow me on Twitter at 24 Framescast. Um, you can follow me on uh, uh, 24framescast.blogspot.com. Uh, don't forget, if you want more episodes, you can go to 24framescast.blogspot.com, hit on the exclusive page, and you'll be able to find some more episodes there that won't be appearing on the feed. Um, you can also follow myself and Joachim at the Master of Cinema Cast. That's mocast.blogspot.com. Um, we will have some episodes coming out soon. So there's various ways you can catch up with me. Um, you can follow me on Facebook as well. I'm the Tom Jennings, who has got a stupid hoodie on, pulling a Darth face on Facebook. So do befriend me. Um, so it's nice to kind of uh, see other people's lives that are a lot better than mine. So that's going to be it until the next episode. Many thanks for listening, and I'll be in contact soon. Bye.